Hello and welcome to Take Me Through Your Day. On this episode, we have a uh, chemical researcher. And if you're keeping track, this is our first full episode back after COVID. So strap in. We got a bunch of really interesting ones coming up. Uh, This episode's from a few years ago. Maybe two, maybe two and a half, something like that. But uh, very entertaining. I think you guys will like it, and it's it's all still relevant. So that being said, if you or someone you know would like to be on the show, please email us at takemetyd at gmail.com or visit us at takemetyd.com. Enjoy the show. What do you do for a living? Me? Uh, I do uh, chemistry research for, uh, I guess it's called the company. Okay. Um, can you tell me just a little bit about the general idea of what you do? Because we're going to get into the details later, but just... General guess. idea is uh, how do I make things the temperature they're not supposed to be, but we want them to be, whether it be through like fridges and freezers or home insulation or things of that nature. So real practical applications. Yeah, it, okay. it's stuff that I do you will see like in stores in the future. Like the first project I had when I worked there was we were developing a new automotive refrigerant and it's going to replace all the 134A in cars in the next 10 years or so. Like a lot of cars now have it in there. Oh, sweet. And now I'm working on taking that technology and incorporating it into like insulation stuff. All right, let's start with um, high school. In high school, did you know what you wanted to do? I kind of had a general idea. So I was always kind of like a like a sciencey, mathy kind of person. Like I, I did well in school and in those kind of things. And I kind of picked chemistry because I felt like it was the only one that wasn't lying to me from the beginning. Because <laughs> like, I mean, bio just seemed like a lot of memorization and Latin stuff and like things that you just just seemed like useless memorization. Yeah. And then physics was like kind of cool. But then like also like we lied to you about all this stuff. There's like here's now here's air friction and drag and like. What do you mean they lie to you about? Stuff? So, like, you learn, like, at the most basic level, they kind of, like, teach you, like, things about physics. Like, you know, if you throw the ball at this angle, at this force, it's going to go this far in the distance and whatnot. And then, like, you get to, like, a college-level course, and, like, everything you learned in high school is kind of cool, but, like, we're going to disregard all of it and start from scratch <laughs> again. And you're like, oh, I've made a horrible mistake. I see. And chemistry was always just, like, if you mix this thing with this thing, this purple thing will come out every single time without fail. And if it doesn't, that means that one of the those two things you mixed together wasn't the thing you thought it was. I definitely get the appeal. Yeah, so that. it's like like from the beginning, I'm just like this is kind of cool. It's like you can you can predict what's supposed to happen, and it's it's gonna happen. And then if it doesn't, it's because you didn't you didn't like think of something else. Yeah, there's some error somewhere yeah. down the line. Now, when you say you chose that, you mean like in high school you leaned into it, or you chose it like to go into college and pursue? Uh, it? I knew I was gonna do some kind of chemistry. When I went to college, like I, I, I had the debate of like, like chemical engineering versus chemistry for a little bit. And then like, I actually, it was, I, when I was on tour at Penn state and they actually give you the option if you like tell them early enough in advance, they'll set up a meeting with like a professor in one of the departments and they'll talk to you for a little bit. Yeah. And I actually talked to a, 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 a chemical engineering professor and a chemistry professor and it kind of like. Oh, so that like, actually helped actually you. really helped me, yeah. Because like chemical engineering, like there's no, I mean, I mean, you have to know a lot of the chemistry, but it's mostly like 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 how do we make this plant work better or stuff like that. It's, it's like moving product through like different things. But I imagine that's a huge resource to like really dial in. What oh yeah, you it's want. insanely helpful too. Yeah, that and awesome. I was also thinking about it because if you look at like uh, starting salaries upon graduation, <laughs> chemical engineering is always like one or two. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I couldn't do it. So I think I made the right choice because every chemi I knew in college was miserable all the time. So, <laughs> Well, there you go. And you made the right choice. So I started, when I started there, I was actually pharmaceutical chemistry. That's what I thought I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up just pure luck. Uh, the guy that they gave me to be my like random advisor was a biochem professor at Lehigh. And he gave me, like, he just said, hey, if you want to try this, like, just come work in my lab one day a week. We'll give you a credit for it and see if you like it. And then I took one credit one semester, and then I took six credits every semester until I graduated because I just liked it. Huh. Well, see, that's that's awesome, and that's exactly what I, I try to find about the show is like just getting people to what they like. 
many people have enjoy yeah. the the career path that they want yeah. to go down. And it seems like you kind of found that. That's, yeah, I, just like a like sweet. a long string of just dumb luck landed me <laughs> where I probably should be anyway. Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. So I guess we can kind of blast through the whole college experience because it seems like you kind of nailed it. Unless you want to add something in there for someone who kind of wants to get into this field, like some advice maybe? Uh, I mean, so... I guess I do more of like your your typical like research stuff. So I, I, I like like when you think of a scientist, that's what I do. Like I wear I wear like a white lab coat and I'm like mixing things in beakers and whatnot and like working in a hood. Like that's like most of what I do. I'll, I mean it's weird because it's like R and D and it's insulation. So we're like like I'll be like like making fake wall studs and fake rooms and stuff like that. But I mean for the most part, it's like if you think you want to do that kind of stuff. Talk to any professor at like if I mean as long as you're not at like like a, like a community college if you're at like a research like yeah, place some, yeah any professor will take on anybody for like a credit you come in for like three hours like once a week and then you see if you like it. you'll be doing a lot of the like bitch work but like you'll be but you'll get you'll, an you'll, idea you'll be like science adjacent as you're like pHing buffers <laughs> and like like mixing up like stock solutions for for like other people to actually use. And it gets you kind of like a feel of like what the flow of the day is actually going to be. And a lot of people run things differently. Like our professor like bought like these really nice Bose speakers and mounted them up on the thing. We actually would just take turns playing music throughout the whole day. So like it's usually like people are pretty cool about it. That's awesome. And like a lot of it was, is like you end up BSing a lot like while you're actually in the lab because a lot of it's like set this stuff up and then like leave it for two or three hours and then like come back and like hope it's finished and like... You learn a lot of, like, how to, like, manage your time and stuff like that. But right. any professor will take anyone on for, like, just talk to somebody. Just find any professor. T- take the guy that was in your first year chem class and ask him if he's taken on undergrads for, like, you know, just random time slots. And then if he doesn't, someone else will. It's yeah, like, or he'll know That's someone. kind of the point of the research facilities yeah. to get the research done. And, like, that, to me, like, like, just talking to my advisor ended up making me do it for six credits every semester. And he actually hired me on for the summers. Oh, I got, sweet. Yeah, I got, like, a $5,000 grant to, like, live there for, like, ten weeks and, like, do research. It was, was kind of cool. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, so, um, let's say, at the end of college, you graduate. Can you take us from that point to where you're working now? So, what happened is... Uh, I actually got my job Thanksgiving of my senior year, like before I even graduated. Oh, okay. Because I guess a lot of the companies now are like recruiting earlier and earlier because they want the people right away. They want like they want to be like somebody's first choice. They don't want to like be scrambling for the people that couldn't find jobs yeah. like in like yeah, May yeah. or June or something like that. So like, what happened is like either I found that at least in like my head, career fairs are mostly just for the business people. Yeah. They don't, I mean, my company does do some of that, but it's mostly for, like, marketing interns and, like, accounting interns. It's not, like, they're not, like, picking up, like, science people at these, like, Yeah, those things are very specific to very... Because, like, my college had them, and I, like, went to a few of them, like, when I was, like, a junior or senior looking for, like, internships and jobs and stuff. I looked around, it's just, like, the only one here that's taking applications from my major is, like, Bank of America, because I don't really care what you're doing. You're, like, (laughs) well, like... Okay, fine. But what ended up happening is my my school's chemistry department had like like this program or whatever. They had they had people come in and like visit and talk about their company. Yeah. So like I just happened to I got an email one day like that they blasted anyone that was like a like a chem major or something and said, "Hey, we have someone coming in from like DuPont to like give a talk. It's an old alumni." You know, just go out and see what it's like. And I, I went, she did like a 45-minute presentation, took questions at the end. I just talked to her and she said, yeah, just gave me your cards and email me your resume and I'll, I'll add you to the list of people we're going to like try to interview. And that, that's just like kind of how it happened. I got two, two, like two weeks after that, I got a phone call from someone there and we did like a quick phone interview. Two weeks after that, they booked me a hotel room and actually rented me a car. Wow. And I drove, I drove <laughs> down for a night, stayed at the hotel and then like did my interview and then drove home but that's i mean that's showing some pretty serious interest yeah like, yeah we're we're because I, I was actually gonna go to grad school like my my professor was like kind of shopping me around to like like look at different schools and we went to like a conference i met some of his old professors at like 
like other schools. He said like like you should you should do this. I actually yeah. I actually took the GREs. And I was going to use, like, the Christmas break to, like, do all the applications and stuff. But I got this job offer, and I was just like, I think I have to take this. Yeah. So I had, like, a line. I was like, if someone's willing to pay me this, I can be in six years where an entry-level PhD chemist would be anyway. And they, like, beat it. So I was like, all right, fine. Like, this is like one of those just like, yep, I'm in. See you guys in, like, six months. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I get like a pretty good string of luck. I got like stupid lucky. <laughs> now I had to I had to move to Delaware, but you know. Yeah, I mean it, it comes with it. Yeah, whatever. But um, I think that's a great place to start with um, the actual show, which is taking me through your day. So, what time do you wake up in the morning? Well, here's the thing with research is that. It's pretty independent for the most part, unless you're working on like, because we have some equipment and processes that we actually just bought a new spray foam machine that requires two people to actually operate. Yeah. But most of it's like pretty independent. So like our research people have like core hours. Okay. So like we have to be there from 10 to 2. Yeah. And that's when they'll schedule all the meetings. Like, if we have, like, a group meeting or, like, a safety thing or whatever, like, it'll be in that in time that frame. In that chunk. And that's, that is a nice little chunk so of So, I have coworkers that show up at 6 a.m. and leave at 2, and I have coworkers that show up at 10 a.m. and leave at 6. Yeah. And, like... That's what just, I mean. That's a great little chunk yeah. of time where it's, it's kind of whatever you're doing, you're going to fall into that. Yeah. So, it's, like, that's the time where you're guaranteed the whole team's going to be there if not on vacation and all that kind of stuff. And so... It depends if I like like want to get out like if I'm like like when I was driving down here, mm-hmm. I went into work at six a.m. so I could leave at two and be past all the traffic in Philly and Harrisburg before it was even like an issue. It should be stated that we're in West Virginia right now. Yeah, <laughs> most yeah. of the episodes are not in. in well, in I mean Virginia. they're all around yeah. the same states, but yeah. So it really depends. So like like if I don't have anything going on afterwards, I'll just lazily wake up at like eight, try to get in by nine, and then go about my day. All right. Well, let's can can you because it seems like there there are a lot of different variances in what you're doing. Is there a way to kind of encapsulate an average day? Who? Uh yeah. So it's like I mean every day it's, it's research like like projects get picked up and scrapped pretty quickly sometimes. So it's like not always the same, but I guess from what like what the company hopes a typical day might be. I guess I can bring you through. Okay, well let's let's go with that. Let's let's say just general idea, typical day, and if variances come across or you think of anything yeah. down the line, let's go from there. What time are you waking up in the morning? Probably like eight thirty. Eight thirty. You set an alarm clock. Yeah. Is it on your phone? You have a. I have I have a Google Home that I set to play the radio. Hmm. And I have to mute the mic because if I don't actually get out of bed, I will just yell, hey, Google, snooze, and then, like, <laughs> never actually get out of bed. Hey, the future. I think there's there's one day last week where I think I snoozed the alarm every 10 minutes from, like, 7 to, like, 8.30. <laughs> and then had, like, a no shit moment and then, like, got up and ran to work. <laughs> All right. So let's say you, you, you set that alarm and you get up on time. What's your morning routine? What do you get done? You get up, out of bed, and, well... What are your first moves? Because usually I ask the snooze question, but you answer that for me. <laughs> but you get up out of bed, and what's what's your first kind of moves? Uh, I go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. I I take a multivitamin. Okay. I usually grab something quick, be like like a like a banana or like a granola bar or something, and I actually drive with that to work. Okay. Because at work we get free coffee. So usually what I'll do is I'll, when I sit down at my desk, usually around nine, I'll open my computer, check my emails, make sure there's no like fire to put out. Yeah. And then I'll go to like the break room, make myself a coffee and eat that real quick and like kind of plan my day out because it does change a lot. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes sense with the constant changing, but let's go back to where you're living and you leave. What's your commute time like? I, I, cause where I live is pretty close to a lot of like bigger cities. Like a lot of my coworkers will live in Philadelphia cause it's yeah. like, only, it's under an hour to get to where we work with that. But I kind of decided that it was w- more worth my time to make that maybe hour drive to Philly though. Like once a week I want to actually do it rather yeah. than make it twice a day, every day, every day. Yeah. 
So I live four miles from work, and it takes me about eight minutes to get there. Eight minutes. That's an excellent commute. It's perfect. During that commute, are you listening to anything? I am. What are you listening to? Uh, I kind of bounce around. So some, some days it's NPR. Okay. Which was helpful was last year I went to Ireland and right when I drive to work is the BBC's news hour. Yeah. <laughs> so I get all the like Northern Ireland news like on my way to work. There you go. Sometimes uh, the, the alt rock station in, in Philly does uh, no commercials for like the like 8 to 10 oh, range. Oh, drive time rate. Yeah, 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 so like if, if I don't like the story in NPR, I usually go to that. All right. And that those are kind of my two staples. If I if I just if a band I like just released a CD, I'll have that in, and I'll just listen to that like like all the way through as I'm driving back and forth to work until I like. You got any names you want to drop? Uh, the last one I bought was Gary Clark Jr.'s actually. Oh okay, yeah. Yeah, so I I had tickets to see him when he came to Philly like a month or so ago, and with each ticket you got a CD, so I had one in my car. That's really sweet. I've never heard of that before. You get a Actually, ticket and a CD. Oh, Metallica did that too. Really? Yeah. Well, so I mean, those the Metallica when they came to Pittsburgh, they, those tickets were insane so i actually got in the day they got sold so i called like actually called the ticket office yeah it was like it was like 110 bucks but they sent me a cd so it felt like i you know yeah it felt, a felt like more like i paid 90 bucks <laughs> i don't know but the the show was worth it though like the production i heard it was, was good like i had crazy. a few buddies that went it was awesome but yeah they so say. sometimes cds it it, it depends okay i well, usually start with npr and then go from yeah there. and it yeah bounce around so you get in the office is this a place where you have parking or is it yeah so it's actually a big gated complex okay so at at the time dupont you know they work with a bunch of experimental chemicals a bunch of high hazard processes so it's actually like badge access yeah so i have to like swipe my badge at a thing and a turnstile opens and i'm like let into the like to the site makes sense and then there's like probably 30 buildings on the site that are now mixed up of like a variance of like DuPont and spinoff companies at this point. But yeah, so it's like I, my desk is physically in a lab. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're right, right in there. Like, so, okay. Like, 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 like when you watch like, like uh, NCIS and you see Abby <laughs> sitting at a desk, like a computer with like a bunch of like beakers and shit to like her left and her right. Like oh, that's, so... that's me. That's, oh, that's right. like what I, that's what my office looks like. Oh, that's pretty cool. So you, you, you park your car, you get into your office, you said you make coffee, eat whatever you bring. Yeah. What are some of the first tasks of the day? So now, since I'm working primarily with foam insulation, one of the big things is how does it degrade over time? So the main thing with, with thermal, there's two different kinds of, of polyurethane foam. There's open cell and closed cell. Yep. Also, it could be called soft and hard. Okay. So... That's not entirely. There are some rigid open cell, but most of them are, are generally speaking. So like your your car seats, your your couch cushions, your Tempur-Pedic mattresses, they're all open cell flexible foam. Yeah. Those are mostly like blown with like water or something like that because it's cheap and it's available and but what we do is we make rigid closed cell and we make what's called the blowing agent or expansion agent. What it is is it's like a it's like a high energy either liquid or gas, but like will volatize in the temperature range of the reaction, and it actually like makes the foam expand as it as it heats. It kind of just blows the whole thing up. It's like stretching the web of polymer that's being made. So you're saying like on a spectrum, like basic stuff like beds and it's it's water, and then you're going up. This am I getting this right? Going up and going up in, in price and thermal <laughs> properties and all that. Yes. Yes. Because like most, I mean, because a lot of it's fluorine based right now, and getting fluorines to attach to hydrocarbon chains is not an energetically favorable reaction. <laughs> so it takes a lot of energy and a lot of money and a lot of intellectual property. So they get more expensive. Yeah. But the thing is, is they make it so much more like better at insulating. So what what we're trying to do is like it does two things. It helps the foam expand. And it also gets trapped inside the closed cells, so it's like it's like you have like a little mini like like tiny like air conditioner in each little bubble. 
Okay. Because the molecules, they're, they're heavy, they're fat, they, they, they're gases, but they don't transfer heat well because it takes a lot to get them moving. Okay. So it, it makes a nice, um, like, like thermal barrier, That's basically. Fascinating. So, like, and a big thing, though, is that sometimes the, the gases are soluble in, like, the matrix of the foam. Yeah. And over time, they will slowly, slowly leave. Yeah. I mean, so, that makes sense if it's a gas and it's in like, yeah. whatever the foam. I, I don't know. I'm talking about yeah. gas. So, like, on. basically, like, we're trying to invent something that is not so soluble that it becomes part of the matrix but not so insoluble that we can't at least suspend it in the solution for the duration of the reaction. That, yeah, that makes sense. So like, one of the big things is when water reacts with the isocyanate, it creates CO2, which is a great insulator. But the thing is, is it leaves, it's insanely soluble and it leaves quickly. Hmm. So like within like the first six months of you making the foam, like the, all the CO2 is gone. Yeah. Which is why it's not, we don't use it for thermal stuff. We use it a little bit because it kind of helps with the oomph, but yeah. uh, mostly it's, it's fluorine-based stuff. So we're trying to, like, and one thing that we do with it is we have to test it to see, like, how quickly it is or isn't degrading in thermal properties. So I have, like, like one, I have, like a, like, a huge humidor closet that is just full of, like, all of the cut foam samples that I've made in the last, like depending on like what like method you're running it could sometimes you have to test them like every 2 weeks sometimes it's it's once a month but you do it for like an x amount of time well just just a completely ignorant side note how, like when you test the degradation do you have to always do that in real time or is there a way to accelerate to kind so of figure that this, out? this this is the thing so everyone is trying to fi- figure out the best way to do it from like the like our side yeah. the people making the things don't want that to happen because if you test it the day it's made it's the best it's ever going to be yeah no doubt so it's like a constant struggle between the people like like putting out the info and like doing the research in the industry and the people that are actually trying to sell the stuff because there's all kinds of building codes that like there's actually not a lot of people know this because it's, it's a very, like, kind of niche industry, but there are, I think, eight or nine zones in North America, and based on what zone you're in, it's, like, kind of gently based off climate, but that is, that will dictate how much, like, insulation the architect has to spec into the building that they're making. Interesting. So, what, what they do is, it's called R-value. I don't know really where that comes from. But R value is basically like its ability to cool per inch. So like you'll say like, oh, if you're in southwestern Pennsylvania, that's, you know, zone six. You got to have at least an R value of 14 and say I sell a foam that's R value seven per inch. You'd have to install two inches of foam. Oh, okay. So you can but, just double down and make yeah, the same. But product. it could be it could be seven the day you make it, but it could be five in two years, you know? So yeah. like technically you're not in spec and it kinda of shortchanges the person that eventually buys the thing because it takes more energy to heat it and yada 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 yada. Very yada. complicated. Yeah, there's a lot going <laughs> on. So it because like it doesn't help the people that make it to use the end value because then people are spraying more of their stuff in the houses. It, it takes away square footage in the house, makes everything a little bit smaller. Also, it uses more product. It's more expensive. It's like a whole thing. Yeah, sounds like a lot. So what what we do is we have uh, these little machines uh, called heat flow meters. And it has a little heating unit, and it's attached to a chiller. And it has two plates. And usually what we do is we make our foams in, like, actually, we use... I. I Take a, I go to a bakery supply store <laughs> and I buy cake boxes. Okay. I coat the inside of the thing with car wax. You mean like like cardboard cake yeah, boxes? Yeah, cardboard oh, cake okay. boxes. And I coat the outside with car wax. I fold it up and I made a rig out of plywood that holds the box vertical and in place. So that the foam can't like pop the box open and all that. Yeah. We pour it into that and then we come back in 24 hours and I actually cut it down to size in a bandsaw. 
Yeah. Based on what we're doing, there's like a bunch of different things you might need. So like if I'm doing like our whole gauntlet of testing, I'll make like four or five of them. Yeah. And then cut each one to like specific things. But the big one is the heat flow meter. That's where you find out your R value. That's where you find out the insulation value. That's how you find out like how bad. Like if it pa- if it doesn't pass that, doesn't matter what the rest of it is. So it's like a little machine. It has a heater and a chiller, and there's two plates. You put the cut foam in the middle of it. The plates touch till there's no space in between the two of them, and then we tell the machine based on if it's going to be in like a refrigerator or freezer. Or, like, some of them go into, like, liquid nitrogen tanks, or if it's going to be in a house. There's, like, standards based on each division of what you make the top plate and the bottom plate temperature-wise. Yeah. And then the machine figures out how much energy inputted into the hot end it takes to keep it at the temperature it wants to be. Okay. The only thing in between them being your foam. Yeah. So then you basically, like you said, to like room temp and what the inside of your fridge is supposed to be or like outside and room temperature for if it's going to be on like a roof or a, and in a wall. Is it as simple as, because like in my head, I'm just thinking of like an oven type of scenario. Can yeah. you just put, it's, put in the specific numbers of like this is yeah. this cold, it, this it, is this it, hot? It looks like somebody shrunk one of those oblong pizza ovens. Oh, okay. And I have like a little, you put it in the <laughs> oven and then you shut it and then like it just goes. Wow. And then we have things that are different sizes for different things and and all that. That's fascinating. So basically what happens is like based on what project I'm running, I could, I actually have like a little calendar next to my desk where I physically write in when I started each one. So I know that like on Tuesday, I got to run the ones from this trial and this trial and this trial and Wednesday I do. And that machine pretty much just runs all day long. That's yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's exactly what I was looking for. So we're, just because I, I could talk about that stuff all day because I'm just looking at you like dead-eyed, like, yeah, more, uh-huh. But <laughs> you get to work, you make your coffee, you get to your desk, and then you're you're essentially checking all of these boxes of like... Make sure I don't miss what, anything. What date is this? What do I have to check mm-hmm. now? What date is this? What do I have to check now? Is there any other kind of activities you're doing in that time period i'm just trying to take up to when you show up to essentially lunch okay so another thing on an average day again so another thing i do is um i deal a lot with like shipping okay like i'm a hazmat shipper and like i just got picked one day to be like our customer sample person all right so like what we'll do is we end up doing a lot of like parallel research so we'll talk to either customers or suppliers or something and we'll say like hey we're trying to launch this new product. Can you let us know if it's compatible with all of your stuff? Or like, hey, we have a problem with this. They're discontinuing this product and we need to find a solution. Okay. So like I'll end up either like coordinating shipping samples to them, depending on like what country they're in and all that kind of stuff. Or they send us stuff and we get to like play around with it. Okay. So like if you go into my lab, it looks like a kitchen pantry. There's like a thousand different bottles and they're all like <laughs> like proprietary catalysts and surfactants and like just like all the ingredients that you could possibly use to make a foam. Some of them are used in different industries and others. Some of them do like they're all kind of like geared towards like specific parts of like the reaction. There's like the there's like the rise, the blow, the like the fin in the end and like you kind of like all right, this catalyst does like just this bit, but like a little bit of this too, and we're kind of lacking here, so we throw in a little bit of that. And so, like, uh, what I will do is I'll like kind of check the emails, see like what kind of projects I have to work on, and then maybe just like shop out like like what kind of combinations of things I want to try. But you're still dealing with all these customers on like a shipping basis. Yeah. So like, what, what we end up doing is like they'll ship. We ship them some of our stuff. They ship us some of their stuff. We do some kind of parallel research and then like, and then like compare notes at the end. Okay. So it's all kind of on a level. You're all just peers. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty so much. So it's not like some weird company that's yeah. like, hey, I know you guys got that thing. Like Can I no, that thing? no one company makes all parts of the foam. Okay. So we make just the blowing agent because we're a fluorine based like like unit because we realized way back in the day that you could put freon in in foams 
And somebody else does all the catalysts. Somebody else will do all the surfactants and solubilizing agents. Someone will make the polyols. Someone will make the isocyanates. And no one wants to expand it to anybody else's industry because then it hurts a lot of people's feelings and yeah, lose and business. Yeah, all and, kind of working together as a big yeah. web of, oh, that's awesome. So it's like, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting industry because no one's top to bottom integrated in anything. <laughs> no, it's... It, it's very interesting. And no one's ever heard of us in the market space because we don't sell directly to customers. We sell to the suppliers who mix it into a thing and then they sell that. Brilliant. We have to, like our marketing team fights with people to, to say like blown with our, you know, like our stuff, like yeah. somewhere on the label. Yeah. But you're staying out of the direct yeah. contact with, yeah, it's fantastic. So, um. So one thing that I, I will do in the morning is if I'm making a foam in the afternoon, now, I deal with spray foam. Spray foam has to react violently and quick mm-hmm. because if you're spraying like a roof or something like that, you don't want it to drip onto you know whoever's face is trying to spray it in. Yeah. So when I make them in, um, there, there's two ways you can make it. You can either reduce the catalyst package so it reacts more slowly, but I kind of figured out that that doesn't make a nice mimic for when you scale up to doing the actual process. Yeah, large scale. So what I do is I take the actual like recipe, I make it to the correct proportion, and then I put it in the fridge while I'm at lunch. <laughs> so it reacts, it starts at like a colder temperature, I have like an extra two seconds to pour into the cake box before it blows up in my face. <laughs> and that has happened. Every once in a while you'll see like someone just like, has, they're just like covered in foam because they just like accidentally like either drop the beaker because we use like a, like a, Hamilton Beach, like, like milkshake mixer. Really? Yeah, that we had somebody coat in Teflon. We make it in the beaker, we put it up on that, and then you kind of, you, you dump it. But if you don't do it fast enough, it kind of like, like you'll, the inside, like shut the, shut the hood hash, and then like, it's like everywhere. Brilliant. Now, is that so, is that, that intense where you have to hit one of those like, chemical burn stations where you gotta smash your eyes with water and... it, it depends what part of the process you're in because <laughs> so it's so, not so, enough so, so, so th- this stuff does end up in people's homes yeah, yeah, yeah so it is the end result is safe okay if you eat that it'd be like eating celery it's no caloric value it'll clean out your colon <laughs> on the way out and like that'll that'll yeah. be it but everything that goes into it is hit or miss cause yeah. I mean like one end, like, it's two main things reacting. It's polyols, which is just, polyol is just a molecule that has a bunch of OHs on it. So, like, ethanol is, like, a single all. Yeah. Polyols are just, like, they're, like, long branch things. You can make them in several different ways. But it's those reacting with cyanide groups and, isoci- and isocyanates, and that's what makes the web. So, like, you have these branch things with OH groups that are reacting with the like the NCOs on the isocyanate and that's what like makes your web of stuff. Yeah. So like which by web you mean like the foam. It's like a polymer. Like, yeah. Like like if you could look at it like under a microscope as it's forming it looks it's like webby. It's like yeah. there's like a bunch yeah. of different things. They're all cross-linked together and that kind of stuff. So it's like so you hear cyanide, you're like, well, this is not... Yeah, that doesn't sound great to get in your eyes. It's not... It's it's, face. it's an inhalation hazard. Like, it's a sensitizer. So, like, if you, like, you know, were to snort some of this stuff, you won't be able to be in a room with it ever again. Wait, 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 wait. What? Yeah, so it's like... What does uh, that mean? So, it's it sensitizes you to itself. It's kind of like if you get chicken pox, you can get shingles kind of thing. Oh, it's like if you okay. huff a bunch of isocyanate... It's not going to do anything to you then. Yeah. But the next time someone opens up a can of isocyanates, like, in the same room as you, you'll, like, break out in hives or something like oh, that. Oh, Jesus. Okay. So, like, we no, actually, yeah, I get it. That's we crazy. actually have someone in, our in like, not our group, but in, like, I shared the other half of my building is the Teflon group. Yeah. Like, like coat and pans and stuff like that. Yeah. And one of them was sensitized in a previous job. So anytime that we're, like, making, like, the foams or moving the isocyanates around, we have to put, like, a big plaque up over the room. Like, <laughs> like hey. Like, Jeff, don't come in here. Like, that's, like. <laughs> Love it. Just like, Jeff, you, we, beat it. Well, we can't put those. I mean, really, I know, really, really no one way. should be an alien. <laughs> so they, they did some things to make it better. So they kind of polymerized it more so mm-hmm. that it's less volatile. Like, the ones that they, like, the OG ones they used were, like, kind of near a gas. Yeah. So, like, you don't want to be anywhere near this stuff. Like, closed containers inside the hoods. Like, maybe even, like, using those little things where you put, like, the gloved hands into the box and work oh, with it yeah, that yeah. way. 
intense. But now they kind of polymerize it. Like the only way that like you could really sensitize yourself now is if you just like washed your hands with it or like stuck your head in the bucket and took a big <laughs> whiff. You know? Don't stick your head in the bucket. You take anything away from this. Yeah, I really stopped eating random things after, you know, working in science long enough. Because so you're like, everything is dirty and it's going to kill me. And it's just like... Because, <laughs> like, a lot of the catalysts end up also being, like, kind of poison. Yeah. So it's like, you know, don't, like... I think one time one of my coworkers told me I wasn't labeling things well enough. They're like, well, what if someone, like, walked in? So I, I like, sarcastically wrote, like, do not drink. On a bunch of the stuff for like a week or so just to piss her off. <laughs> like, don't consume. Do not consume. Not this is water. A lab. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, it's like you walk around the building and there's fridges that say like no food, no food, no food. <laughs> Please don't put your food in here. Like this microwave is for chemicals. Stop. Yeah, this like is not, don't yeah. reheat your burrito in the lab. That's just dumb. <laughs> All right, well, speaking of burritos, you did mention that you would toss the, oh, I forget what you said, in while you would take your lunch break. Yeah. What are you doing for lunch? What time are you taking it, and what are you doing? Uh, it depends on the day. Usually sometime between 11.30 and noon, I'll okay. step out, and it depends. If I go to the grocery store on Thursday, I will have things for lunch, and I live close enough that I will actually drive home, right. make myself some lunch, and go back to work. Good. Now, if I was lazy and didn't go grocery shopping on Sunday, like I know I'm going to do now because I'm going to drive five and a half hours home, I'd be like, mm -hmm. fuck the grocery store, I've been done. Then I'll just go, I'll kind of go somewhere. There's like a couple of different like restaurants and stuff around that like when you have that many people working on one industrial site, they have a lot of like yeah, a whole bunch of quick lunch places that are around that like are trying to attract everybody. What are some quick go-tos? Like, what are your... Uh, I, I don't want to think about it. I just want to grab lunch. What do you There's what do you a get? pizza place across the street. It gives two slices and a drink for $4. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a Wendy's nearby. There's this taco place that sells, like, $1.75 tacos. Okay. Uh, that place is pretty good. Uh, it depends. Fridays, we'll, Fridays, the most of the group will go out to lunch together, and we'll go to some place that's, like, longer and, like, sit down. Like, we'll go to, like, a sushi place or, like, sweet. even, like, the Applebee's. It doesn't really matter. We're not uh, picky. Applebee's we're, not so sweet. We're not, yeah, we're, we're not picky. <laughs> it's Delaware. I understand. There's a cool, like, like barbecue place that's nearby, like, we'll go to. And yeah. There you go. We once went to a Korean barbecue place where you, like, the ones where you, like, like have, like, the stove in the middle of the table and all that. Oh, like a shabu shabu? Yeah. We, we, went to, we went to one of those. No, that's not but, Korean. What am I thinking of? Um, yeah, the... The Korean. You're one. thinking of yeah, like like it has like the little like you cook it yourself. Like it's not hibachi. Yeah, yeah. There's like a there's like a hot plate at the center of the table. Yeah, shabu shabu is like Japanese and Korean barbecue has the there's a. Uh, I don't know the name, a name of it. For it. I don't know there the is name a name of it. for it. Um, but anyway, but enough people on. were confused by that that we just haven't gotten back. <laughs> <access. laughs> like, what do you mean my meat's raw? <laughs> what do you mean I gotta cook my own shit? Anyway, it does make the lunch a lot longer when you have to cook your own meat. Yeah, no doubt. So if you're in a hurry, you might you know. Give yourself some food poisoning. Yeah. But if you think about it, it's a good business model because then you can't you can't sue the place for serving you bad meat. It's like, hey, you did you, that, bro. That's on you. They didn't make us sign a waiver, though. I feel like that's no. a hazard, right? Eh. If I, like, eat the raw meat and, like, get sick, like, can I sue them for that? We're very I don't off know. You can go to those. <laughs> I love a good digression. Uh, there's that Mongolian place that's around. I think that's it's kind of a chain. You just pick up all the raw meats yourself, put them in a bowl. It's like, is there I some mean, kind of like sign on the door that says by entering you are like like signing away your right to sue us for consuming raw meat, raw or undercooked meat? I want to say yes because like what's stopping some dummy from just like grabbing a piece of meat I don't know. from the like the place where you put the uncooked stuff? And... It's like you'd think natural selection would have taken care of those people by now, but uh, <sighs> you think so. But, like, if you ever go to, like, a pirate game or something, if you look at the back of the ticket, it says that, like, I will not sue the pirates if someone launches a foul ball into my forehead. Yeah. Like, if, I, like you, if I'm unconscious from a foul ball, we have no, like, you, you waive all your rights. Well, that happened to a woman last year at the pirate game. She was an idiot, and she was in the first row behind home plate, and she got up during a pitch. Yep. And, like, the net is there to not kill you but you know it has a little bit of give and she was like rubbing against the net and she's trying to leave and it's yeah, nailed her foul tip gotcha. nailed her well there was you can't see the parts for that it was like what four months ago that kid got hit with a foul ball well that was was it, i think that might have been a carlos game or something like that i forget yeah. i forget who it was 
But, uh, yeah, the media kind of went quiet after that. It's yeah. like, well, you know, you signed your rights away, but that's a little kid that got hit with a foul ball and got pretty fucked up. Yeah, maybe, I think that's that's the, that's the biggest hazard. It's that baseball is sometimes so boring, you stop paying attention, <laughs> and then you're liable yeah. to get nailed. And you just get trained. <laughs> Maybe there should be like a foul ball cannon they let off. Like, uh, like everybody, like uh, anytime there's a foul ball, like the scoreboard says "look up" and then uh, or just like a horn, just like know, some kind of noise, like oh shit. Oh wait, what? Some kind of like air raid uh, yeah, siren air would siren. be kind of funny. <laughs> it's coming! It's coming willy nilly. You better watch out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. So I mean, you 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 put a big chunk of your day right there in the front. So. um you come back from lunch. I mean, is it business as usual or is there anything else to kind of add to that? And again, keep in mind, this is for people that would like to get into this field. Is there anything you'd want to like add advice wise or story wise? Or So, I mean, it depends. Like usually if I, if I put the, the stuff in the fridge before I left, my, yeah. my big thing when I get back will be to like kind of just react them all out. And then the next day you come in and you do the cutting and you start all the testing. We tested for like, how much of it is actually closed? We have like a like a little. It's like a tiny wind tunnel. Oh. Okay. That like you, you you tell it how like how much it weighs and how we usually do like a one inch cube and you enter the, the dimensions that we like measure and everything and it actually blows nitrogen through the chamber and then measures how much resistance it has on the other end. It can tell you like if you have Swiss cheese or like a block of foam. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. We have another machine that all it does is just tries to squish the shit out of it, and <laughs> and we call it compressive strength because like it has to because some of these foams go on roofs that like because it creates like a moisture barrier and a thermal barrier, yeah. so like it can actually fix your like crappy tar roof if you want. That's it's an expensive go around, but it does work because it's a moist because it's closed cell, so no water's getting in, so it'll fix any leak you have and it'll expand to fit all the space. I've never heard of that. On the outside, but that's fascinating. It's because it's expensive. I, I bet. I've uh, seen a lot of those commercials. No, those no, no rental property. Uh, Rhino Lines actually yeah. is a company we work with. Yeah, see, that's, yeah, I've actually, I mean, I've, I've been to, I've been to one of their facilities. They have one in. Uh, I was, uh, I was in Kansas City. I flew out there. We actually did a joint project where I, we were trying to help them figure out a formula that would pass a burn test. Because they have to pass, because they're going to be in someone's yeah, house, yeah. to be able to pass, like, it, it's like a long story, but they, they create essentially a fake corner in a room with a roof, and they light, like, a plant on fire in the corner. And, like, you have to, like, like the smoke can't leave the room bef- for the first, like, 20 or 30 seconds, and the flame can't progress to the ceiling, and yada, yada, yada. But what we ended up doing is I made a bunch of, like, the formula we had kind of, like, set up inside like like i did it on small scale and cake boxes yeah and since we don't have a lot of larger equipment because we're a lab we're not an installer i made it in like like 30 gallon drums if you ordered a bunch <laughs> of the extra stuff i mixed it together in like 30 gallon drums and we shipped it ahead of ourselves to their facility and when we got there we first thing we did is we rented a truck we went to a home depot we bought a bunch of like like 12 by 8 uh like sheetrock boards and we bought a bunch of two by fours and we like Spent the first day making fake walls, basically. <laughs> yeah. I actually have some pictures I can show you. We, we just made a bunch oh, of... Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd love some. We made a bunch of fake walls. Uh, then we loaded our, our the formula I did into the machine, and we sprayed like like it was the studs of a house. We like set it up against a wall. We kind of sprayed the whole thing down. It was January. Uh, we did it. Uh, it. We were in Kansas City in January, so some half of them we put outside to get really, really cold overnight, yeah. and then spray them cold to see if... like. Because sometimes that happens. You'll yeah. see, you'll see like things like delaminate or shrink or something like that if it's like mm-hmm. too cold. But and we like went out there, made a bunch of stuff, took some samples for us, shipped that to the place that does the burn testing. We actually passed it, which is kind of cool. But that's, yeah, that's awesome. but like that's just like we do odd stuff. Like that was an example of someone we were working with as a customer that we scaled up a project we were working on, and then like it worked. So that's why I'm, I'm glad I brought it up because I mean I've seen the commercials and I was like. Why wouldn't I get that? Like, it's just, it seems so cool. And I've never looked at a price, but it, it looks it's, awesome. It's expensive, but it's like, it's going to last. Like, we actually have a yeah. little box at work that we bring to, like, 
not industry conferences, but just like like sometimes we'll go to like an automotive one and we'll say like and we'll like talk about foam because like that you foam in your car too. It's like the, like the the roof liner and all that. It's like yeah. sprayed before they like put a thing up and it's it's big and sound dampening. It's usually in between the engine block and the rest of the compartments. Yeah. So like it it does sound and thermal for that too. So the engine heat's not in your car. Yeah, there's a block there too, and we have this little box. It's like it's three things. There's a hair dryer at the bottom of it. There's three thermometers on top, and there's three holes with ping pong balls in them. One of them's fiberglass. One of them, like, it's like like ten inches of fiberglass, an inch and a half of spray foam, and then like four inches of like cellulose. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. They kind of like blow it into the attic. It kind of yeah, just like, yeah, sits yeah. there. Then you turn the thing on, and the ping pong ball for the the fiberglass and the cellulose immediately shoot up, and they're just like floating. And the one with the foam is not moving at all. And then you leave it on for two hours and you can see that the other two sides are at like 120 degrees and the foam's <laughs> at 70. So That's, like it yeah. really does work. You get your money's worth out of it. I th- I forget like there's there's a lot of like uh, like infographics that like the industry puts out that they say like everyone should use these because like they, they don't like license them or anything because they say like this is good for the industry. It's like, like show this to people. You can put this in your PowerPoint presentations kind of thing without getting like sued for it or whatever. Nice. And I forget what it is, but there's like, there's like a certain point in time where the spray foam starts paying for itself in reduced heating bills. That's yeah. That's... And it's like, it's not that, fu- it, it's not, I think it's like six or seven years or so. So it's like, if you bought your forever home, it's like, and you're like redoing a room, it's like, worth it yeah. but like if the house is already up it's like kind of a bitch yeah we we do a lot of like attics and stuff like that because like that's usually a part of the house that wasn't really finished anyway well, that's kind of what so, i like, assume like when you when, when you was... don't when you don't have to rip down drywall to spray it up and you're just removing like the fiberglass boards from like you know the attic it's a lot easier to do but they do do external roofs too and see, see you know, that's fascinating man i've never heard of if you ever see like those like, I, Definitely look into that. It looks kind of stucco-y, actually, when it's done. Oh, I imagine it looked yeah. very... All, everything I pictured this whole conversation <laughs> was very stucco-y. <laughs> and actually, that's that's part of the thing, too. It's like, like they call it orange peeling, when it like has like little dots of the orange peel. And you, want it, you want it to be as smooth as possible, but that depends on like how, how bad the guy was at spraying the applicator and all that kind of stuff. But like we've had to switch catalyst packages for something because it was doing too much of the the like orange peeling on the outside of the foam. Yeah. So it's like people will spray the outsides of like those chemical storage bins. Have you ever see those like those big like like circular like like cylinder looking things are huge. Uh where where would I I guess I drive through more industrial complexes yeah, so, than, than you do. I'm sorry, I'm a city boy. I don't, I don't <laughs> see too much of it. But they'll do like rail cars, refrigerated like like trucks and stuff like that. Oh okay. Pretty yeah. much anything. Your water heater is actually a big one. Oh, the yeah, water okay. heater's insulated. Yeah. All right, cool. Let's um, let's get onward with the end of your day. When are you wrapping up normally? Again, average day. You don't if to... I'm if I get there at nine, I'm usually like five fifteen. I'm I'm like shutting things down out the door by five thirty. Okay, and you live close, so you're not going that far. Um, the rest of your day. Just go up until about like when you go to sleep. Do you have any like sleep routines? Anything to help you get to sleep? No, it's very sporadic. <laughs> uh, I became kind of a night owl in college because I quickly realized if anybody was around to talk to, I would talk to them. Yeah, and I lived in a fraternity house, so it wasn't very uh, conducive. Okay. So I did pretty much all of my homework between like midnight and like four a.m. Mm-hmm. And I just haven't been able to kick it. So usually, what I end up doing now. If I was up too late the night before, I will drive home from work. I will turn my TV on to the station that Jeopardy is going to be on, mm-hmm. and I have one of those TVs that lets you pause it, so you get you get like an extra half hour. Yeah. And then I'll mute the TV and I'll take a nap till Jeopardy starts. <laughs> there you go. That's what I'll, I'll take like a nice like hour and a half nap, get up for Jeopardy, and then like I do I do I play in a cornhole league. I play in a basketball league. I play in a kickball league. Yeah, you got all kinds of extracurriculars uh, going. So usually I like make myself some dinner and then go to one of those things if if it's happening. 
No, that's that, that's fantastic, and just the the whole napping thing. Like that's I'm fascinated with people's sleep routines. Oh, I became like a true by face sleeper, like in college. <laughs> like I, yeah, I, I definitely like sleep from like. I don't even know what that was. I don't know either, but I killed it. So I'll sleep from like like one or two to like eight thirty, and then I'll sleep again from like five thirty to seven or something like that. I think that's a much more efficient way to do it. I wish I could do that. I'm not I'm not much of a napper, but I am a night owl. So, so that so then you're just tired all the time. I think that makes you just an insomniac. I think <laughs> I, I'm kind of not tired though. That's, that's I, I think know. it still makes you an insomniac though. A little bit. <laughs> Maybe you should do like a sleep study. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah. I've heard that a lot. I I have debated that. I was like, this is like not super normal. <laughs> yeah, I uh, there's a sleep study place where I live, and uh, I keep telling myself I'm gonna go, but everyone I know that's been there says like, oh, you have sleep apnea. See, and it's like I do not. See, I, know, I will not buy that device and wear it. <laughs> see, I know I don't snore because I shared a room with my brother for my entire life. Exactly. And anytime I went to bed sick and you'd have like, you know, like like your nose would make some noise while you're sleeping, yeah. I woke up and there'd be like everything that was on like his bed or around his bed is now currently on mine. Because he threw it at me while I was sleeping. He's like, shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> Like, take this beanie baby to the face or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And so I, I know it's not that. I feel the same way, because, yeah, that's that's always the case. I've never had any complaints unless I was sick, and it's like, oh, well, then that was definitely... I put that blue light filter on my phone yep, and all that. Too. Is that supposed to help? That's supposed to help? All that? There's... I found out that book reading's not a thing for me either, because like I bought like I, I like I have a bunch of books on my nightstand, and when I read it, I end up like being up till like three or four. So I'm like, well, I want to know how this ends. Yeah, I'm the same and way. I, I have like, three books on my stand that they're all equally like down, like none of them are fully done. I just like, well, I that one tonight, and but like people read to fall asleep, that never works for me. No, like, it's I'm, just I'm, more I'm entertainment. Up. It's it's firing yeah. off brain cells, and it's it's also like I've never understood people that fall asleep watching television. Because yeah. if I if I put on a movie, I'm finishing the movie. I'm turning the TV off, and then I'm going to bed. Yeah. If or I'm or like on, I'm listening to it. Yeah. I'm it's, it's, it's like, and if I am truly that tired, I turn the TV off and I go to like I don't <laughs> yeah. like I don't wake up and like I'm on my couch at like 3 a.m. and like oh shit like oh my god I fell asleep. How long have they been movie. playing Storage Wars for? Like like you know <laughs> yeah. it's like which not, episode are we on? I don't even know. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel you on that. So we like to wrap the show up, which is just some fun stuff. It's random questions. You don't have to think about it too hard. Okay. It's just just fun stuff to keep it light. Uh, what is your ideal breakfast? Steak and eggs with a side of like hash browns. That is the manliest answer I've ever got. I love it. Uh, what's the best advice you ever got? Best advice I ever got. Oh shit! I don't know. Again, uh, don't think about it too hard. Just whatever comes to mind. I really don't know. Pap once told me you never put good whiskey in the freezer. That is good advice. I get yelled at all the time by my friends for putting yes, you're listening in the freezer. To Pap. I like cold whiskey. I'm, I mean, granted. Oh, my grandma. Shitty, shitty Canadian whiskey. My grandma once, uh, when she, uh, we were out, we were out to, to like lunch somewhere and we got a coffee and I asked for like milk and sugar and I started putting milk and sugar in my coffee and my grandma looked at me and said Billy if you don't like coffee don't drink it <laughs> that's somehow insulting and great advice so then since then I have not been putting milk <laughs> or sugar in my coffee <laughs> and, I, and I think if you drink enough coffee that cuts a lot of calories out of your day it really does it. it really does and, and, and black coffee's fine I had a, co- a co-worker talk to me once about, he's like, oh man, he's like, I can't, I can't drink coffee, man. He's like, whenever I saw, he's, I was like, what do you mean? Like, like, he's like, coffee's making me fat, man. I was like, what do you mean? Like, there's no coffee, calories in coffee. coffee. He goes, he goes, I don't know what it is, but whenever I stop drinking coffee, I lose a bunch of weight. And then I watched him make a coffee one day and he put like, like seven sugars in like mm. a 12 ounce coffee. And I was like, well, they, yeah, we just like, out. I'm going to come by his desk like a sugar cube and see if you eat out of my hand or something like that. There you go, bud. <laughs> Uh, what movie do you think you've seen the most? <sighs> Emmett used to fall asleep to a movie every fucking night. And I think he played Talladega Nights or Dodgeball every night until the <laughs> DVD player actually ceased to like function. 
That seems very on brand. I can, I, can, I can probably line for line reproduce you like a really low quality version of either of those because they're just like so ingrained into my subconscious at this point. That's a great answer too because I think that's the first one we've got that wasn't your own choice. It's like, oh, I've seen this movie the most and I didn't, I didn't want it. I love it. No, they're great movies. Oh, yeah, but still, they, not your fault. There's something about waking up at 3 a.m. to the uh, the menu music for Talladega Nights was, that... Uh... <laughs> th- th- I think that's a s- very specific generational thing, and it's going to die with our age group. Because it's no one... Waking up could be, to menus. Because on no one DVDs. does that anymore. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, you're, no one before, because VHS, would, VHS just end. would just end, and now streaming will just end. There's just a brief period in time where it's like, you get that menu, you get that 45 seconds of music, and it just repeats. Do you ever, like, wake up in your bed, and, like, you haven't opened your eyes yet, but you think you're in, like, a bed that you had earlier in your life? Yeah. Like, I, every once in a while I have one of those, like, I wake up and I think I'm in my childhood bed, and then, like, in the back of my mind is the menu music from Dodgeball, <laughs> like, playing in the background. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that's, that's golden. Uh, what's your biggest fear? Uh, I don't want to say dying. That's too easy. A lot um, of people say dying. It's biggest fear easy. is probably that... I'd, I'd say it's like 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 two parts that okay. I'm not achieving my current potential. Okay. And and that uh, I'm too afraid to make the jump that'll get me there. Those are great. Those are great. Because, not first, but they are more specific. Yeah, well, because like you always say, like 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 I'm happy where I am right now, but like, could I be happier somewhere else? And am I ballsy enough to quit my job to go find that one? You know, that's yeah. like. Am I willing to be content and stagnate? And yeah. do I have the balls to yeah. get to the next level? Uh, any candy in the world, what do you have? <sighs> Maybe a Reese's cup. Dark. Very popular. Do they, do, they, do they make dark chocolate Reese's cups? They I feel do. like I feel like those they would do be make good. dark chocolate Reese's. I, I haven't tried that, but I'm gonna, that's my answer. <laughs> oh, they're good. They're good. I'll give you give you a spoiler there. They're real good. Uh, childhood hero. Childhood hero. From a father. Yeah, good one. What kind of soap do you use? Dove. Sensitive skin. Classic. <laughs> if someone gave you $1,000 right now, what would you do with it? I'd do something really stupid with my car. Fantastic. <laughs> if someone gave you $1,000, if someone gave your 18-year-old self $1,000, what would you do with it? <sighs> Probably not hookers and blow, but that would be my <laughs> first thought. <laughs> But I'd probably buy a car. Yeah, there you go. Never had a car. Good stuff. Uh, Pet peeve in general. Chewing with your mouth open. My goddamn hate it. I hate that. It is the worst. And it's so infuriating because my mother used to always yell at us about that, and she does it now. But if you call her on it, she gets insanely pissed. Uh Uh-huh. I know the feeling. It's like, man, it's like, when did your mouth get droopy? I could not agree when my roommate chewed his mouth open he's awful at it to the point that one time I actually just yelled at him I hate the way that you chew and I left the room and then one day I got really mad at him I went to this huge room I was like one day you're gonna go out you're gonna go on a date you're gonna find the woman of your fucking dreams the first date's gonna go great you're gonna meet at a bar you're gonna have a couple drinks you're gonna go to your separate ways it'll be fine the next time you're gonna go to dinner you're gonna get your food you're gonna start eating fucking salad and she's gonna look at you with just death eyes because you're chewing with your mouth open the whole time and she's just gonna leave. You're not gonna get a call back. You know it's because you opened your and fucking yeah, mouth you're you'll eating. You'll never know, but I'm telling you, it's because of His that. girlfriend of now three years is worse than he is. Oh, I was like, how the hell did... They found each other. When they like order out food, they'll be like, hey Billy, like, do you want to like get some with me? I, I sometimes just say no because I don't want to sit at the table <laughs> with the two of them. Or like I'll say, oh, like I'm I'm in the middle of something. I'll just get down there later. I'll wait till they're finished, and I'll go eat mine or something. It's like, oh, it's infuriated. Oh, I'll tell people right to their face. I'll, I'll just open my eyes for a big like. Does it taste good? Is that good? You like that? Looks good. <laughs> <It> looks good. <laughs> Fucking horrible. I think my dad says that anyone eats like sourdough pretzels, he goes, "Oh, sounds good. <laughs> it sounds good. Oh, so ugly." Uh, <laughs> where do you see yourself in ten years? Ten years. Oof. Hopefully, happily retired with a steady passive income. Oh, passive income! What a dream! Starting real estate investment is what I'm trying. Me and my buddy just bought a house. We're trying to like fix up and rent. 
Yeah, that's, that's the way to go. Uh, tipping custom. Um, I usually, in my head, calculate what 20% is, and then I round either up or down to make the entire bill an even dollar amount. I like that. So if it's like one, if it's like ten ninety nine, I'll put like two oh one. Yeah. So it comes out to like you know a nice even thirteen. Yeah. So even it out. Yeah, I do that. Perfect. Uh, what's something you wish you'd learned earlier? Wish I learned earlier. How to whistle. How to whistle. Yeah, I didn't learn to whistle till like two years ago. I like it. Yeah, it, it took me a long time too. I, I don't know why. Weird. Um, childhood celebrity crush. Childhood celebrity crush. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I had like one in particular. I just whatever. Pops I like Miley me. Cyrus. All right, Miley Cyrus. Not bad. Still relevant. Uh, what's one thing you'd change about yourself? If I could be taller, that'd be nice. Yeah, yeah you tell me. Because I love I love basketball, but man, I am so height impaired. Mm-hmm. Is it? It's it, it nice because I'm I'm five eight. And I can do that thing where you go up for a layup and you smack the backboard. Yeah. So I'm pretty close to being able to actually touch the rim. If I was like 5'11", 6 foot, you know, like I'd get more dates. <laughs> and I could dunk a basketball, which would probably also get me more dates. Yeah. Do you see the... I'd have the... chicks just falling off me. Like 6 foot me is like the chick magnet, you know? Like... <laughs> Did you see the Bagel Boss thing this week? Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, I mean, these these episodes don't come out for way <laughs> after, but the Bagel Boss thing just happened, and uh, it just it cracks me up. That guy's like, oh, I looked it up, because me and my roommate were... Because my roommate's 5'6", so we're both yeah. short people. We were talking about, like, how, like... We've we've internally had that <laughs> that go through our stream of consciousness when people like yeah. call us shorts because I didn't I grew eight inches one year in high school when I, I found my old records when I started high school I was four eleven and seventy five pounds yeah. and I left like five eight so like I well I, I got every short joke in the book but I looked yeah. up this guy was like I think four eleven and a half something like that and the cutoff to be like an American disabled height like person is like. 410 he's like right oh, there so he's like he's just right in the middle i feel like i feel like he wishes he was an inch shorter because then he would he'd get the handicap sticker he'd, <laughs> like, he'd actually be a protected group whereas yeah. right now he's just laughably short yeah so it's, it's not rough. it's not like oh poor him midgets insensitive it's like no he's just short yeah it's like the worst place to be it like is. you either want to be like <laughs> like average or like really really down there it's a, it's a bad spot, but that video is real funny. Okay, <laughs> and I lost like, and I've seen him since on like radio shows and stuff, and he has I, a good sense of humor. I guess my roommate like went and found his like YouTube channel. Does he, he have a YouTube channel? Yeah, he he like my roommate says that all of his videos are rants like that, but it's just him filming it later. He goes, and the woman behind the counter said to me, so you have no idea if it's like oh, if like okay. his rant is like warranted or if he's just like Napoleon the whole thing out of his mind. He had that chambered then. That's yeah. what it seems like. That wasn't organic. Like, yeah, was that like, was that was a stump speech that he's been using for years. You know, like he had that in them. <laughs> stump speech, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> so uh, let's see. Hardest time you ever laughed. Hardest time you ever laughed. Uh, for I got my appendix removed, and I couldn't laugh because I had stitches in my body in the part that expanded and contracted when I laughed. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, everything was just hilarious for like the week <laughs> after that. Great. Great timing. Uh, guilty pleasure. Guilty pleasure. Uh, sinking money into cheap cars that are just going to cost me more money in the future. <laughs> That's great. You showed me pictures earlier, but I think everybody gets what you mean. Uh, what type of music do you listen to and why? Uh, when I was in college, I actually hosted a radio show where I was on for two hours every week and I played blues rock. Blues because I like it. <laughs> All right. And if I, if you change that thousand dollar question to about a million dollars, I'd probably just open up a radio station. Oh. So I think I think they're sweet. I, I love like working all the boards and like picking all the music for the shows and all that. It was a lot of fun. I'm trying to see if uh, the University of Delaware will let me uh, go <laughs> on air. That'd be sweet. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, I mean, you still. Oh, and I should say, because it is part of the questions I leave out all the time. What type of music do you like and why? Why? I, I feel like it just. 
I feel like blues music, the way like it can be done, like you feel it. Like it's it's hard to not foot tap to it. Okay. And I guess like I I guess I kinda like a lot of things like that. Like like jazz can be kinda cool like that. Like you like you gotta get up and move. I actually used to study to Irish music and then I found out that I couldn't do it because I was just like foot tapping the whole time and kinda like tapping my pen. I was just like I I have to listen to something worse than this. Like yeah. I, I can't like I'm not concentrating anymore. So like it, you, you kinda feel it. Okay. That's a that's a good answer. Like you like the blues songs when you're happy and then when you're sad you're like, oh shit, yeah, he's right. <laughs> oh yeah, he gets it. Uh, what's something you're bad at? Public speaking. You're bad at public speaking? I am good at faking it, but I am internally terrified. Oh, okay. I get really sweaty. Don't, if I ever give a speech and you're there, do not touch my back afterwards. It will be <laughs> It's going to be a sweaty mess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we covered sleep routine a little bit, but do you have anything to add to that? Because you're kind of a weirdo like me. It's just... uh, I sleep when my body tells me to, and I'm allowed to sleep. So I push through at work if I'm tired at work, but usually it's just... I fall when I fall, you know? Yeah, that's it. You get what you get. And see, if not my a lot mind of people it, can relate to that. There's so many people in my family that can just fall over. Just go to sleep. And I, I think that happens when your first kid turns eight. Yeah. You can just instantly fall asleep on any couch of the world. Well, I mean, Sitting straight up. My little brother's the same way. My, my 85-year-old grandpa and my... 20 some year old brother they can just if they just sit in the chair it's just like oh this boom done sleeping it's insane to me but i think it's just like at, at least my family specifically when we're on we're on so like like if we ever go to murphy's we leave because they kick us out yeah yeah like like when me Emma, and michael are there it's like we're the last ones to leave and it's because aunt kathy's like get the fuck out of <laughs> get the bar the fuck out <laughs> Who drove? <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't one of you two. <laughs> yeah. Who you guys figured it out? Uh, last question. Uh, if you could do anything, absolutely anything, what would it be? I think my top bucket list item right now is I want to go see the Northern Lights. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And if you go up, I think it's in Finland. Uh, they have this, there's like this whole like, like, park or something like that you can rent these ig- these 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 igloos that have glass roofs so you're laying in the igloo and then you can see the northern lights out of the top of the igloo like while you're sleeping that's fun. and that sounds pretty sick so that's currently that's currently like what i would do right now <laughs> I, I love it that's a great answer <laughs> all right well, thanks for doing the show man no problem We did good. Hour six. That was an hour? Damn. Hour and six minutes, yeah.